first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Ors, and this week we're going to be talking about a lot of great films, including K-Sound's Game and Sonic the Hedgehog. But the first thing we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking with Brian Schultz, who's the CEO of Studio Movie Grill. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, that's wonderful. So, Studio Movie Grill, I'm just going to talk to about what it is. It is a luxury movie theater, and we are in the brand new location in Glendale. Absolutely beautiful location. And you are the CEO of this theater business that's really unique because as these trays show, you're served food here. And these are absolutely wonderful luxury recliner seats. And I'd love to know, just first off, can you talk a little bit about what your day is like as a CEO of this company and talk a little bit about what your responsibilities are? Well, I mean, as a CEO, you get to do a lot of things uh, all over the place. So we do a lot of travel. So we're in 10 states and uh, this is our 33rd location. So we have 7,400 employees. So I get to really go around and meet young people, um, manage, and uh, go to a lot of events, which is absolutely great. Well, congratulations on your brand new location. And I'd love to know, because the role of CEO is a very complex job, if you had to explain your responsibilities and the tasks you have to complete to an 11-year-old, how would you phrase it? Well, I think great CEOs do two things. They set the strategy or the dream and then they uh, find the people that are great at doing it and uh, get out of their way. So those are the two things that I think great CEOs do is really set a dream. I really love that. I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, thank you. And I'd also love to know, you kind of mentioned this, of finding the right people. What is your criteria when you're hiring somebody or looking for a candidate? What do you specifically look for in people? Um, well, our criteria are a little strange. So number one, um, you have to love movies. So that's the first question. And oddly enough, we get some people that say no to that. So it's a short interview. But you have to love movies first. Uh, you have to be a learner. And then there's another thing that is a little bit different, which is you have to be a little bit gritty. So we love working with people that have overcome hardship. I really love that. And I think it shows when you come here, you feel you're around a lot of other moviegoers and a lot of mo movie lovers, people who are passionate about the craft. So I definitely think that shows in the final outcome for the audience. Well, I think what's different about Studio Movie Grill is we exist to open hearts and minds one story at a time. And really what we're trying to do is create dialogue, learning, and perspective. And what a better way to do it in a luxury recliner in a dark room with uh, a community so you can laugh together, cry together, learn, and subconsciously. Uh, it's kind of my meditation. And I think movie going is meditation when you do it in our theater environment. I definitely agree with that. I've been to one of your movie theaters. I absolutely love the experience, and I, I think I'm a big fan of your movie theaters now. Oh, thank you. How about the food? Oh, absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. Yeah, you know, that's a, a fun part, uh, coming up with a, a menu that works in a movie theater. So most of our uh, items are handheld, and just because of my background, I, we like to keep it value priced too, so it's all fresh made to order. And the real trick was, how do you serve a 1,000 meals in a one-hour period uh, in a ninja way before the movie starts. Mm. So those are the kind of fun things that we get to solve. You know, it's really interesting, the logistics that go into a business that you don't really consider until you're actually running that business. And I'd love to know from you, do you think that um, 
you need a college education or you need a formal training to be able to work in business like this or other businesses? Um, I think there's a lot of different ways to learn. So I really don't think you need a college education, but you do need to be a learner. And the best uh, CEOs, the best employees, the most successful people learn for their entire life. They never just stop learning. And I think that's the problem with a college degree. It's like you do your four years and then you're done. If you stop learning, you'll be obsolete. The world's changing at a pretty rapid rate. I really like that. That's very, very true and that people need to keep learning. So I completely agree with that. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Right now we're talking with Brian Schultz, who is the CEO of Studio Movie Grill. And I'd also love to know from you. So you've talked a lot about uh, your passion. I can really see that you're really passionate about this business. But if you tomorrow could do anything else in the world, what would you do? I really am living the dream. I came up with this concept. It started off uh, where I built it for what I would want a movie theater experience to be, and now it's evolved into what our communities want. But, I mean, we serve 14 million guests a year, and we just do a small part in uh, creating a positive wake in the world by just opening up perspective, even if it's in our pre-show, even if it's within the hospitality, or if it's in one of our employees when it's their first job where we set the conditions for them to hope and dream and uh, laugh and love. I mean, what, what, what could be better than that? I definitely agree with that. Now, I have a quote from you I want to read. You once said that uh, Studio uh, Movie Grill is conscious, purpose-driven company. Could you talk a little bit about what that means and how that reflects for the consumer? Yeah, I think um, we become more and more polarized as a society. And a lot of businesses are about extracting value. And Studio Movie Grill is all about how can we give more and more value to all our stakeholders. And our stakeholders are our team members, our guests, our community, our vendors, and then our investors. And it's a synergistic cycle that's important. And I think it's the way business should be done. And it's the way that's starting to just really, really take off about, you know, giving and worrying about things like the environment, uh, worrying about your local community. If you extract value pretty soon... um, we're not going to be here. The Earth's not going to have any more resources left. So I think it's a different way of thinking. And I think it's important that, um, especially as we get into our next generation, that we teach that. I definitely agree with that. And it's good to know that even though you are getting entertainment, you may be learning something from the films you see, you're also giving back by purchasing this purchasing this ticket. And I know the company has a lot of charitable ventures. And I would love to know how those start and if you could name a few and describe what you guys do. Um, so I don't like calling it charity. Uh, we like to actually support uh, sustainable causes. And for example, like our loyalty program is the only one of its type. When you win an award or you earn an award, um, you can actually, with the same award, serve a child to need a meal and a movie. So we like that. We like teaching social emotional learning as part of the film going experience. So everything we do tries to serve all our stakeholders. I really love that. And I'd also love to know, because this is still a business, how do you balance those three things, you know, giving back and uh, supporting sustainable growth, uh, making the consumer have an uh, enjoyable experience, but also pleasing the investors? How would you say you balance all those three of those things? It, it actually supercharges the uh, profitability. Hmm. Because what you end up doing is having at a, a soul level a relationship with your guests, and there's a loyalty in the community that's uh, created. So you don't need to spend massive amounts on marketing. You don't need to spend massive amounts <coughs> on uh, turnover. 
Um, you don't need to spend massive amounts on things that don't add value to the system. You actually use word of mouth and you actually create this core relationship um, with all your stakeholders. And when your employees are happy, your guests become happy, they come more often and they tell their friends. And that's not very complicated, mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't do it. That's very true. And my last question for you is, what tips would you give to kids who want to have jobs like you? You know, they have a passion, but they want to be on the business side and they want to man the company, be C-level uh, executives. What tips would you give them? You know, I, I think that uh, leadership is earned and it comes out of empathy. Um, so if you want to do something, just like any movie, write the ending and then go through all the steps because there's going to be lots of hurdles. You're going to get knocked down a lot of times, but write the story at the end and work your way back and be resi resilient through the process. Thank you to Brian Schultz for speaking to us about his experience as a leader in the entertainment industry as CEO of Studio Movie Grill. Make sure to check out our next C-Suite interview and also to check out Studio Movie Grill's brand new location in Glendale where they open hearts and minds one story at a time. I'm Jerry Orr's reporting for Kids First. This week's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 2. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orth from Los Angeles, and this week is very special because we have two special guests this week. You just heard from Brian Schultz. Now we're going to be talking to David Bianco, who plays the very famous Dwight D. Eisenhower in the brand new film, Kazon's Game. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. So, Let's start at the very, very beginning of this process. And could you talk a little bit about how you first got to be a part of this project? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I have um, 
sort of a vested interest in the history of the Philippines. Um, my wife is actually half Filipino. Her mom is from Baguio. I've been married for 12 years now, so I've really sort of gotten to have an inside look at Philippine culture and Philippine food and tradition. And so, you know, so so I kind of, I, 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 I've, I've been sensitive to to the Philippines and to the Philippine culture and story for a while now, having eaten a lot of adobo and pancit and lots of traditional foods. But um, with regards to the story, um, the Rosens, Matthew and Lori, and their son Dean actually worked on a TV series a number of years ago called The Boston, the Kitchen Musical. It was a musical um, based on a TV series, and my wife Jennifer and I, and I were actually cast in that um, TV series in leading parts. And, and even then, the Rosens actually mentioned to us that they had us in mind for some roles. Um, they didn't know when this particular film would be coming out, but... Um, but we knew about it uh, as as early as maybe five, seven years ago, five years ago. You know, I'm so glad to hear that you did have an interest in the story, because when I first learned the story, I didn't really know about this man or what he did at all. And I'm sure a lot of the audience isn't aware about it. So could you talk a little bit about what the story is about and what history doesn't really cover? Yeah, well, you know, this is one of many stories. I think that's something to I mean, it is very significant and is very important for the Philippines um, in, a, in a time where people were turning their backs on Jews, which were being sent out by the boatload from Austria and Germany by uh, Hitler, you know, they were just sent away first. You know, they were, they were trying to figure out what to do with these Jews. And the Jews were turned away from the United States. They were turned away from Canada, from other countries. Um, and this did not sit well with Manuel Quezon, who was the president at the time of the Philippines. And, um, it, and it spoke to his conscience. It didn't seem like something that was right. And he wanted to do something about it. So um, the film revolves around a series of, of meetings, um, behind-the-scenes negotiations, and high-risk high risk and very dangerous situations that a number of different people had to do a network of people had to accomplish to to try and save 10,000 Jews that is what it's about and Eisenhower was involved as a close friend and confidant of Kazan the Frieder brothers a family who owned a, a very popular successful cigar um, company who were Jewish they had a vested interest in this story uh, and the plight of the Jews in Austria and Germany. And so, you know, these, this family and these men and a whole network of people um, work together to, to ultimately save, save a large number of Jews. And that's what this story is about. And it's very good that we have a film honoring them now. Let's transition to your role, particularly. Uh, you play Dwight D. Eisenhower. Most people know him as the president. But you play him years and years and years before he became the president. He's not even general. He is corporal in the film, right? Right. Colonel. So, Colonel, excuse me. So what yeah. was it like to play Eisenhower, one, to be able to research the role and try to become a real-life person, but to also research him in a time period where he's not as famous, not as well-known, where he's just one part of the much larger American military? Right. That's a great question. Um, in some ways, it was easy. Uh, in some ways, it was very difficult. Um, you know, when I approach a role, I am 
you know, I'm always trying to see what people say about a person. Um, the material that I found primarily is speeches and, and, you know, there is footage of him speaking, but a lot of those are speeches. So the way someone gives an oration versus what they sound like behind closed doors are often, are, are often different, you know? There are some similarities, of course, but, you know, I have to sort of deconstruct and make my own choices ultimately as an actor. So I just tried to look for the things that um, that endeared me to him, the, the parts of his personality, his character, his moral compass and fortitude, which I can identify with as, as a human, which I can relate with. Um, you know, it excites me to be able to play a character that um, stood up. Um, at a time when people were not standing up for others. Um, I think it's totally apropos today to have this type of um, a character, um, be it Eisenhower, the Frieder brothers, um, and especially Kazan, to be thrust into the spotlight, to, to, to remind audiences, to r remind people um, that this country is built upon a series of you know, historically challenging, heroic efforts. And at one time, this country was a country that was that had open borders and was accepting people. And in this film, that spirit is in Manuel Kazan, and he wanted to do something about it. And so he did something about it. So for me, approaching the role, there was already an excitement and an enthusiasm for it. So I just, I looked at material, um, there's a book called At Ease, Stories I Tell to My Friends, um, which I read, and it's about Eisenhower. It's about, you know, some stories that, that people might not know about. Um, just to kind of give, it was more for me to just give me context about how he thought. And he was a very sensitive man, you know, he's a very sensitive man. So, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I mean, these, these, are, these are characteristics which, which I share with Eisenhower. I've never gone into battle. I've never led men or women into battle. Um, so I can't, I can't speak to that, but, um, I know what it takes to be a leader in my own household and I know what it takes to be a leader in my community. And, and, and so I just have to use my imagination on that. Um, but Matthew, the director, you know, really helped work with us, uh, individually. He'd ask us questions in between, um, takes. He, he'd do what he could to, to, you know, to, open our imaginations and give us full reign and liberty to, you know, to make choices as an actor. And that's all you can ask for in a director, someone who, who trusts you. And I, and I feel like ultimately from the first time we worked with the Rosens, Matthew, Laurie, and Dean, Dean's a close friend of ours, as are the Rosens. From the first time we worked with them, they trusted us. And so it was nice to, to come back to the material four or five years later and the relationship and, and, you know, it's like it's like hopping back in the car again. So on the personal side, it was good. And then looking at the character and having that freedom um, just to be in the moment. You know, I, I know these actors. I know these people. You know, you also have to celebrate and enjoy the process of, of working with people that you like. It's not always like that. Trust me in this industry. But when it happens, um, it's a real joy. So every day I went on set, it was it was a pleasure. It was an honor to work with people and and step in Eisenhower's shoes, um, though it'd be very daunting if you really, if you really think about what Eisenhower did for America. Absolutely. And I think you spoke a lot about what makes a good film, because when the crew and the cast can collaborate in a good way, you can really see that in the final product. You're listening, to kids, 
You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and right now we're talking to David Bianco, who plays Dwight D. Eisenhower in the brand new film, Kazon's Game. And David, I want to uh, touch up on some things you mentioned. You mentioned a lot about Eisenhower's personality, his morals, and the story's morals. And I wanted to know, in your own opinion, the entire story about Kazon's uh, humanitarian deeds, what do you think the messages of them are? What do you think the audience should get from that in terms of lessons and themes? Well, in my opinion, you know, we all have choices to make in our life, whether we are going to be standing up for what's right in our home life, in our workspace. Oftentimes people are given advancements in a workplace or, or in a community, and there's an opportunity to back out or to make excuses why, why you shouldn't do the right thing. And I feel like what Kazan did in the face of the United, you know, the, the Philippines was trying to become independent. And that's a big part of this story. Kazan was battling tuberculosis. He was battling to accomplish a series of milestones that the United States set out for them to gain their independence. Um, and he was trying to save Jews on top of that. I mean, come like, this is, this is astounding. And so the, the message and the moral that's that's here that I see that I've experienced is that it's it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to speak up for yourself. It's never too late to look at the person who's downtrodden and to pick them up and to and to to be an advocate for someone who doesn't have a voice. And we have a lot of examples of of people in you know, this day and age who don't have their voices. And so if we have the opportunity, you know, I think this is a, a nice model for people to have courage in times of distress. And I think the film really shows that message. And I'm very happy the film does show that message because it is so important to teach to anybody who watches the film. And we are running low on time, but I want to ask you one more question. And this is for our audience. What tips would you give them if they want to start an acting career or they're already at the very beginning of their acting career? What tips would you give them to further it and to enjoy it as well? Um, I think living life is, is the most important part of becoming a great actor. There are limited roles and um, you won't always get the roles that you want. So you have to know that going in. It's, it's extremely competitive. But uh, if you have two minds, one mind is I can create and bring other people along for the ride. That way you will always be in a creative space. Your mind will be in a creative space and you can carve out your own niche content in time. You know, with the age of cell phones, et cetera, et cetera, we can really create things by ourselves. You can buy a lapel mic for $7 on Amazon. We have these things at our fingertips. So in one mind, I say, create your own content and don't wait for Hollywood to call you. Create it, do it. There's lots of examples with all the streaming networks. There is no reason why you, we cannot create our own content. On the other side of this, um, and that content is what you will make your demo reel with. You will make um, something that you can present to agents in time. And additionally, it will give you real life experience. So that's, that's the one mind that I have. The other mind is um, you have to surround yourself whether you're making money or not, with people who are better than you in all areas so that you are pushing yourself to get up to their level. And if you are always doing that, you might feel insecure, but guess what? You will grow. 
And those projects and those connections and those opportunities will lead to more. And it'll keep you humble because you'll always be working with people who are better than you. So, and, and the success will take care of itself, you know? Um, I think don't be in a rush to make it in a year, two years. My wife and I, Jennifer and I, she plays my wife in this uh, as Mamie. She's phenomenal. My wife and I, this is our commitment for our life. This is what we do. This is what we love to do. And, and so a lot of our friends are in the industry. Guess what? A lot of our friends are not in the industry. And that helps us keep a very nice balance so that we're not too far in one camp or too far in the other camp and have, have a nice balance. So balance is key, people. Don't cut your friends out when you make it. Take everybody along with you. And, you know, you want to do good projects, ultimately. You want to attach yourself to good projects. You want to be writing about, thinking about, dreaming about projects that, that give you life. So if it gives you life, do it. If it doesn't, let it go. It wasn't meant for you. Very well put. I hope our audience has taken notes. David, so much. thank you so much for talking to us about your role in Kazon's game. My pleasure. Thank you. For our audience, it is in limited theater release now, so definitely check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Ors from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 2. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Sahiba and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've just been talking with D- David Bianco on Quezon's Game and right now I'm going to be speaking with Ruby and Leandro on what they thought of Quezon's Game. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so I know we heard a, got a little bit of background from the previous segment. I'm, I'm so excited to hear what you guys thought of the film. So, Ruby, could you give us a quick recap about what the film is about? 
Sure. So this film is about the president of the Philippines at the time, and he receives this very important telegram that is very pertinent to the story. And it just basically, in a nutshell, it says that there are Jews who need to be transported somewhere and he finds out about this. It wasn't addressed to him specifically. It was addressed to an American, but it came, he came across this and he thought, well, I might help out with this. And that's, the story is about his journey. So. Yeah. It sounds like a fascinating movie. Um, Leandro, how did you feel when watching Quezon's game? Um, well, I was watching Quezon's game. There were, um, there were some emotional scenes as well. I cried a little, not too much, but just a little bit. And I think it was a really good movie. That's great to hear. And Ruby, do you think the story is told well? Um, I actually do. I have, I consider myself relatively, actually, um, very educated about the Holocaust in itself. Um, but I actually never even heard about this specific event, um, that happened. And it really did show the severity of the situation well, and it really got me interested to find out more about this. So I even did some research after I watched it. Yeah, that is interesting. I've same with me. I've in the same situation. I've never heard about this historical period, and I'm yeah. I'm intrigued to watch this film, learn more about the Philippines' role and everything that they've done to help the Jews in the Holocaust. And so, Leandro, what did you learn from watching Quezon's game? Well, yeah, same thing. I never really heard about this story before, but then when I watched it, it was a really great story. And I don't know how nobody's ever heard of it because it's real. It's really good, and and it it really it educated me a lot about what was going on during World War Two and the Holocaust. Yeah, for sure. And so, Ruby, what did you think about the acting? Um, I felt that everybody who was involved with this film must have been emotionally invested in it because the emotions that were portrayed through these actors in these character mindsets, it was really, really moving. And I almost cried at some parts. It was just really um, very, very um, emotionally driven. So. Yeah, I love hearing about films like these that portray um, such heroic people who, you know, you usually don't hear about, but through movies they can, you know, really impact so many people. And so, Leandro, what did you think about the sets and the costumes and the production? Because it's from a very different time period. Well, the the set, it was really good. It, it looked like it was actually filmed in 1938. Because like all the sets were really good and um, looked like it was back in the 1930s. And costumes were awesome too. Yeah. And um, Ruby, what about you? What did you think of the sets and the production? I thought they did a really amazing job. Um, the camera angles that they took, the um, settings, what people were doing in the scenes, um, it really all tied in and made you feel like you were almost firsthand seeing it on a TV or just at home in the 30s, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And so, um, Leandro, how, what did you think about the music? 
I thought the music was pretty good. I thought the music was good and how um how it was it was kind of like um how they there's um there were singers and it, when they were singing it kind of sounded like back then and wow that's that's so cool you're listening to kids first coming attractions today we're talking with brian schultz on studio movie grill we've been talking with david bianco on quezon game we've been talking about quezon's game and sonic the hedgehog and right now i'm going to continue talking with ruby and leandro on quezon's game so leandro you're just telling me about the music and how the sing there was some songs in the film. And so, Ruby, were there multiple songs? Was there one in particular that you liked? Um, the music, there wasn't much of it. There were certain songs that were played um, for sort of dramatic effect um, in a specific scene. I'm not going to tell you what, but it really was a very emotionally um, jarring scene. And this very dramatic, um, melancholy song was played, and it really helped set the mood, um, and it helped get you um, involved more in the story. And I believe that music really helps in that case, even in serious movies. So, yeah, for sure. Sometimes when I hear music from a film that got me so emotional, I just, you know, you start to tear up because music has such a profound effect um but leandro did you have any favorite part while watching kazan's game um well there are a lot of good parts in this movie and my favorite part was may mm, i'm not sure because maybe the part where where he was probably um first learning about about everything that was going on with the Jews and the Holocaust, it really set up the story and everything that was going on forward. Yeah, and Ruby, how about you? Was did you have the fa- same favorite part or a different scene? Um, I really would have to agree with Leandro, but also there was another specific scene that happened towards the end. And again, it was very emotional, but it was this time in a happy light because it was a success for everybody who was involved and really just a very emotional part as well. And it just it really um, ended the story off on a really positive note, but also kind of bittersweet because he helped in such a crucial, um, significant way, but there were still many more people who needed to be saved, but he still made such a huge impact, so. Yeah, that's such an inspiring story, and I can't wait till I watch this, and I'm sure, you know, by what you're telling me, I'm going to get emotional, too. Um, And Leandro, so... Why do you think um, Quezon's game, it's important for our viewers to watch? Well, it's important because it tells you about an aspect of history that you're not really, that you really never heard about. And it's important to watch it because it's an inspiring story to tell you to not give up and just keep going and just try. Yeah, and Ruby, what are some um, what are some more messages that you were able to take away when watching Kazan's game? Um, 
I believe that one message that was very clearly um, portrayed was that if you fight for what you believe in and you work hard and you're very determined to get your message out there and to achieve what you want to achieve, eventually with the help of others and maybe even by yourself, you will do it with that determination and hard work. It really helps. Oh, so wonderful to hear that you guys liked this film. And so Ruby, what would you say the age range and star reading should be? Um, I would recommend this for ages 12 to 18, and adults will also enjoy it. And I would give this film 5 out of 5 stars. Wow, and Leandro, how about you? Yeah, same. I give it a 5 out of 5 stars and am recommended for ages 12 to 18. Wow, well, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you two about such a fascinating, inspirational, and historical film. So thank you guys for being here. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and be sure to check out Kazan's Game, an inspirational movie in theaters today. Let's take a break. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 2. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Sahiba and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished talking about Kazan's game and right now I'm going to be speaking with Zoe on Sonic the Hedgehog. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Hi, thank you. Hi, I'm so excited about this film, too, because it's been through a couple of bumps here and there to finally get released, and so I can't wait to hear what you have to tell me. But first, can you start off by telling me, what did you think of Sonic the Hedgehog? Um, I actually really liked it. 
I am, I never really noticed Sonic, well, not noticed, but, like, I never actually got to see the character, like, I never played the video game or anything, so whenever I found out the movie was coming out, I was kind of excited, and I heard a lot of good things about it. So, it's basically about um, a little hedgehog named Sonic who lives in his, like, own world, and then he's forced to leave because people will start discovering him, so he has, like, these rings that can transport him to different worlds, and he ends up in Earth. And then it's kind of just an adventure where Sonic is living in Earth, and then people discover him there, and then he kind of goes on this mini-adventure. I think it's San Francisco, and I think it's a really cute story and a different perspective of Sonic. Oh, that's so much fun. It sounds like, yeah, quite the adventure. And so, Zoe, what did you think of the animation of Sonic? I know when they first started the movie, they had to completely redo it. So did they? were they successful? I really do like the CGI. It, he, I think that he kind of looked like a walking teddy bear or like just a cute little plushie. He was so cute and like... I could really see all the different fur details and everything. And I remember when I was, so I met um, Jim, no, sorry, James Mar. He plays one of the main characters of Tom. And he was talking about how he had to hold like a blue bean bag and stuff. And I think that they really did a good job on the CGI. That's really cool. Yeah, and you mentioned you got to speak with the talent. How was that experience? It was a lot of fun. I went to LA and I got to go to the Blue Carpet premiere with Linda Lee. And I met Jim Carrey. He was so funny. He was Dr. Robot is what I like to call him because his name is kind of confusing. It's like Dr. Ivo Robotnik or something like that. And he was so much fun. He's so funny in the film. He kind of plays this mysterious but likable villain. And then I also met the voice of Sonic, Ben. His last name is so confusing. Ben Squirts or something like that. And he was a lot of fun as well. Wow, that's such a great experience. Um, Jim Carrey, he's one of my favorite, favorite actors. He, like you yeah. said, is... <laughs> Yeah, he is absolutely hilarious. And so what were some of the things you got to talk to them about? Um, well, I thought it was really interesting because Sonic is obviously based on a video game character. But when you think about it, in the film, there's really nothing to do with video games. It's more of like Sonic trying to find a friend because he kind of feels lonely in the world. So I asked them kind of about like the messages um, that they thought of the film and how it was working with no actual Sonic there, and if they, they were familiar with the actual Sonic game, which I'm sure that they were, because that game goes way back. Yeah, and so what did you think of their acting, of um, like Jim Carrey's and the other actors? I thought the acting in this film, it was so good. I love Jim Carrey, of course. I thought he was... He was so hilarious to watch on the screen. Usually, I don't laugh, even if it like if it's a comedy. But I actually like laughed a lot in this film, and I felt like everyone was very believable with their characters. 
Oh, that's so great to hear. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we've been talking with Brian Schultz, David Bianco. We've been talking about Kazon's game. And right now I'm going to continue speaking with Zoe about Sonic the Hedgehog. So you were just telling me how Jim Carrey did a great job playing the villain. And Zoe, how did you like the um, villain's role? I really liked it because... When you think of a villain, you kind of think of, like, the bad guy and stuff. But Jim Carrey, he's just, he's something else. He brought the character to a whole other level. And I felt like he really made this villain likable for kids. Because I remember him mentioning that he wanted it to be, like, a likable character. But at the same time, kind of mysterious. And he kind of wanted um, the character to have, like, this almost sick but funny psychotic villain kind of character that's enjoyable to watch oh that's so funny i love that um idea of a character and it just sounds like this film is going to be great experience and so um how did you what did you think about all the other characters in the film like sonic and do you think they were well developed i do like i liked all the characters in this film a lot i thought well, the film definitely gave me a lot of background knowledge about Sonic, which I really like appreciated because I knew absolutely nothing about Sonic before watching the film. And now I actually think I have a lot more knowledge than I definitely did before. Um, I feel like all the characters, like you kind of see their lives and how everything works before the whole adventure starts. So the movie does kind of give you like a mini preview and kind of, of background knowledge about each and every character. Awesome. And so what are your thoughts on the action sequences and the special effects? I thought it was really good because, of course, Sonic is, like, CGI and, like, that has to do with, like, special features and stuff like that. And I also really like the music. But in general, like, with all the action scenes, I thought that they were... I liked the cinematography and everything. I felt like it was really just enjoyable to Wonderful. And so while watching, did you have a favorite character? I really like Sonic, but at the same time, I mean, Jim Carrey was so funny and amazing to watch. So probably Jim Carrey's character, which is Dr. Robot. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Is there anything very special about Sonic the Hedgehog that stood out to you that you're going to remember whenever you think of this movie again? I thought it was so special and sweet that Sonic, he has this amazing ability and power. He can run at super fast speeds, but he just wants a friend. And I feel like everyone does. And he just, that's also, I feel like the message of the film, like all you need is a friend and then that's the only thing that can bring you happiness. Well, not the only thing, but, like, that's something that can bring you a lot of happiness. And I felt like his kind heart was just so nice, and he he looked so adorable the whole time. So I think it's, like, his personality in general. That's so sweet. And so finally, Zoe, what would you say the age range and star rating should be for Sonic the Hedgehog? I think the age range would probably be from 5 to 13, only because some 
almost inappropriate language. There's not a lot. It's literally just like one or two scenes. And um, I think I'd probably give it a five out of, of no, 4.5 out of five stars. Oh, well, it's been so much fun to talk with you, Zoe, and you've got me pumped for Sonic the Hedgehog. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, yeah. Yeah, and so be sure to check out Sonic the Hedgehog in theaters February 14th. Thank you all so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, TV shows, DVDs, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorld.com, and KidsVille News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Season 1, Volume 2. I'm Sahiba. Thank you so much again for joining us today. And see you next time. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.